0: From RTE Radio, I'm Neil Sheridan This is Playback Daily.
1: He loved the look of cameras, he loved the feel of cameras, and he loved making images, and he was a bit of an obsessive
2: collector oh,
3: of
4: really?
2: cameras. We're here in the Children's Heart Centre. It is the point where all cardiac care is delivered to children with heart disease in Ireland. Uh,
4: and was it organic as they say? Yeah, yeah, yeah.
5: Isn't that, that's, that's a word we only discovered in the, the north. <laughs> <laughs> You'll find my earlier interviews, I never used that word at all. It was just toned together. <laughs> Came about out of something. Coming up
0: on this edition of Playback Daily Strange goings on in the Midwest of Ireland. Winter warming classics for you to bake and knuckling down with Pat and Fay Short. That's all on the way over the next hour of the radio catch-up show whose knuckles are so down, they're dragging. On this morning's Nine O'Clock Show monologue, Brendan Courtney got stuck straight into the, as he called it, gossip from around the country.
6: The Park Hotel, you know the luxury Park Hotel, uh, Francis Brennan and John Brennan's stunning hotel in Kenmare, was put on the market in May and it's sold. It's actually been sold. The 46 luxury, 46 bedroom luxury hotel has been sold. Now, the Park and its sister hotel, the Lansdowne, which I've actually been to as well. It's kind of a boutique hotel in the more in the village where the, the park hotel is in a bit of a park, obviously, in Kenmare. We're, we're, we're put on a, a combined price tag of 20.5 million and negotiations, left out the Lansdowne now for now. And an Irishman, uh, Brian Mean, originally from Dublin, has bought it. Uh, he is the former chief executive and chair of a company called the Blue Bottle coffee company, a Californian-based ethical coffee company. He was a majority stakeholder. He sold that company in 2017 to Nestle for an incredible 400 million. Uh, He's a serial entrepreneur, obviously. He co-founded the nude skincare brand with Ali Hewson, uh, Bono's lovely wife, um, and he exited that successfully. And he opened seven fresh and wild organic food markets. If you've been in London, you'll have seen them. And he sold that company to Whole Foods in 2004. So this guy knows what he's doing. Originally from Dublin, he's acquired the Park Hotel, good for him. Now, what I can't figure out from this, and I've been to Kenmare a few times. I've never been to the Park Hotel, would you believe? But I've been, uh, would you believe? (laughs) Uh, But I haven't. Uh, And I I know that people are very connected to the hotel and lots of people we met, you know, have worked as waitresses and chambermaids and all that. Um, The Brennan Brothers have been associated with that hotel uh, for 40 years. Francis Brennan bought the property in 1986 out of liquidation. Um, John Brennan is currently the managing director and then they had an investor, Fergal Naughton, came in as executive uh, chairman. Um, He's of the Glenn Diplex Group. Anyway, whatever. The hotel staff are going to remain in place Uh, But the report tells that Brian Meehan and his wife, Tara, and their three daughters are going to have an active interest in the running of the business. And you can, you know, this man is a busy guy, lives in California. So they're obviously big fans of the hotel. As a lot of people I know who've stayed there are, okay. A little quote from the new purchaser, Brian. He says, we're honoured that John and Francis are trusting us to take care of the team and the guests at the Park Hotel. Mm -hmm. Uh, We are blessed that the team are so happy to stay and continue the tradition. So I wonder, are... John and Francis staying. They're looking to build on the great work around sustainability and attracting more people from around the world. And then there's a quote from the Brennan brothers. We're thrilled that the tradition of a warm Irish welcome will continue with Brian and Tara. So it sounds like they might be exiting. I don't know. Love to find out. Any thoughts on that? If Francis is listening, give us a call. But uh, anyway, it's good to see that it seems to be being taken over by very capable hands.
0: From the hotel gossip to the cleaning Olympics in which I hope there's an Irish team competing via Brendan's own rage-cleaning technique.
6: We were talking about uh, the uh, Cleaning Olympics or Housekeeping Olympics, which were taking place in Las Vegas recently, which is where they compete with mopping and hoovering between all the hotels, and it's a bit of fun. And it's gone for over 30 years. And we stumbled across this lovely article in The Telegraph, which is a poll of cleaning music that inspires people when they're doing their chores at home. Do you listen to music when you clean? So I discovered in the last eight years that if I'm irritated or annoyed, all of a sudden the herb drawer is upside down and I'm cleaning or the hot press is whipped apart and I'm cleaning. I like, I'm very deliberate. I'm a toothbrush kind of tile person. (laughs) I like to clean. Um, and I don't really listen to music when I clean. I, and a couple of times I've had the radio on and the song comes on and it definitely motivates you. Anyway, they polled a thousand adults and, and, and they have done a top 10 of uh, adults now, not, just ad, adults at home in their homekeeping chores. So not professional cleaners, just to say. Uh, not that that matters. Okay, so in number 10, probably no surprises, is this one. so that sounds like the kind of song you'd make the beds to shake it off right Taylor Swift great song shaking the duvet I mean actually and we were just talking about Francis Brennan you know he's an Olympic gold medalist duvet changer isn't he duvet cover changer he's apparently brilliant remember he got stuck in the duvet on the Late Late Show it was one of the best pieces of Irish television I've ever seen so that's it number 10 we whisk right up the chart then Um, in number 3 this will get you bopping round with the Hoover a brilliant song. So that's a bit of a cheat, right? That's just a brilliant song. You probably, you wouldn't listen to that in the bath, but it would get you bopping around. Maybe cleaning the windows. In number two, I don't know about this now. In number two, have a listen.
3: Don't stop,
6: And listen to that now journey don't stop it dreadful dreadful but and, and the, we built a number one because actually you'll go ah yeah if you're sitting there listening to this now um the number one song that adults like to listen to when they're cleaning it's quite obvious did you guess
7: I want to break free
6: Hidden in in your socks and your boxers with your, with your brush or your mop and sing into the mop, yeah. Get your back into it. Get that Get that floor done. There you go. The joys of cleaning made more joyful by the addition
0: of pop music you probably can't hear above the roar of the Hoover. But some people will go to great lengths to get the ironing done.
6: Anger the BBC tells us, anger over an ironing board abandoned on Ben Nevis. <laughs> if you don't know, Ben Nevis isn't a person, it's a mountain in Scotland, obviously. An ironing board was abandoned, which sounds like it was left up there to die alone, uh, at the top of Ben Nevis and its angered hillwalkers in the Scottish Highlands. Photographed last week, uh, it was leaning up against the walls of the 19th century um, Ben Nevis Observatory. And we're told by this report that it's actually not uncommon for household items to be carried to the top of UK's highest mountains and then this would make sense as part of fundraising efforts for charities. So uh, Mr. John Moore of the Trust uh, has said look please leave nothing behind. So we've got a couple of examples so in April a former soldier made it to the top of the peak with a fridge on his back I've actually kind of heard of that, right? And it's obviously fundraising for charity. In in June, a mountain rescuer carried a barbell. uh, Somebody else else brought a church organ. And then uh, last July, somebody brought a toilet seat. Wow. Okay. But anyway, I suppose, please, if you're going to march up a hill with a fridge on your back or an ironing board, march it right back down again because that's just messy. Take your stuff with you.
0: But wait, time to go back to the gossip. This time, we're going international.
6: So Bradley Cooper, who's turning into the new method actor of our generation, the new Daniel Day-Lewis, he really is, isn't he? I, we, we know now one of the his greatest performances, loads of awards for A Star Is Born, and he learned the piano. And if you've seen some of the scenes where he plays the piano and he's actually playing the piano, he learned the piano for that. So he's, he's some dude. It's very impressive. Well, uh, there's much buzz around uh, his new movie Maestro which I haven't seen yet and I really do want to see and a lot of the talk was around his sort of shocking physical transformation where he had the prosthetic nose playing Leonard Bernstein and uh, it kind of sort of glossed over the fact that he spent six years learning to conduct six minutes of music so he could film it live on the set of the film Maestro. Six years learning to play, to to, uh, to look like he knew what he was doing conducting six minutes of music and it's funny because when you watch conductors right, you do often wonder well, is, how, how hard can that be well obviously it takes years and years of practice to do so yeah I, now the, interestingly reading about this has made me really want to see it now and really have a look at him conducting and what took six years I'd love to find out a bit more about that anyway a bit more Hollywood bringing it, it back home a little more I'm very excited as, as I suppose everybody is The first trailer of Andrew Scott and Paul Meskell's uh, new movie, All of Us Strangers, has been released ahead of the film's arrival in Irish cinemas in the new year. A lot of talk about it, a lot of pictures of the boys partying together. They look like great mates all together. Um, A quick synopsis might give us a little insight as to what the movie starring Andrew Scott and Paul Meskell is. The synopsis says, one night in his near-empty tower block in contemporary London, Adam, played by Andrew Scott, has a chance encounter with a mysterious neighbour, Harry, played by Paul Meskell, who uh, punctures the rhythm of his everyday life and a relation develops between them. Um, So, then uh, Claire Foy and Jamie Bell play Andrew Scott's parents 30 years ago when they died. So, it's obviously goes back and forth in time and it's obviously some sort of love story. It sounds very, very interesting. So, I'm very... Excited to see it, but uh, he was uh, Andrew Scott was interviewed um, at GQ Men of the Year Awards by his hot new presenter Amelia de Moldenberg uh, She's hosted Chicken Shop Day. She's she's as, as English as they come. And he asked her. Uh, she asked him a, a bit of a cheeky question about Paul Mescal, but she got his name wrong, and he corrected her. I love it. Have a listen to this.
8: I'm really excited for your new film with Paul Mescal. Yes, Paul all Mes- of us strangers. Paul Mescal. Sorry, Paul Mescal. Is that how you say it?
6: Yeah.
8: Paul Mescal. Yeah, get it right. Is he a good kisser?
0: A Paul is a good kisser, yes.
8: Okay, yeah. I'm just wondering.
0: For journalistic reasons. Yeah, just for journalistic. Yeah,
4: yeah,
6: yeah, yeah. yeah my investigative yeah. journalism. A little bit fruity on Friday. Sorry, I didn't know about the last bit. <laughs> there you go, but it's Paul Mescal. Is that how you say it? Yes, that's how you say it. Paul Mescal.
0: Paul Mescal's pronunciation honour upheld by his All of Us Strangers co-star and fellow Irishman, of course, Andrew Scott. Fair play, the lads. And... Well, that's as good a place as any to leave the gossipy musings of Mr. Courtney on this morning's 9 o'clock show. Parents and supporters of Crumlin Children's Hospital raised sufficient funds to build a heart centre at the hospital 10 years ago, and now the centre is thriving. Reporter Evelyn O'Rourke attended the 10 year celebrations and told Claire Byrne all about it this morning.
9: Now, this is a really special life-saving place in Dublin.
8: Tell us about it. Listen, I'll go to any party but particularly will. one involving little cute babies. Come on. It was an amazing time to be there really. The Heart Centre there in Crumlin and it's a state-of-the-art unit dedicated to providing cardiac care for children up to the age of 16. And the idea, Claire, was that I was taken on the journey that the patients go on, right? So I arrive at the door up by the fish tank that people know so well in Crumlin and then I met the people along the way. So the medical team, the doctors, nurses, social workers, everybody. And then of course I met so some of the families there as well and it is remarkable. It's full of the cutest patients. Many of them are babies and the next bit really blew me away and it just cheers you up on a Friday, right? Such are the advances in treatment now that 80% of the mothers in the heart centre know that they will be coming there after their 20-week scan. So it's controlled, right? Yeah, right from the get-go. Right from the get-go. So this is compared to 20% before the heart centre opened 10 years ago. It means that the babies don't get as sick now as many of them don't get as sick now because the the intervention is waiting for them and the relationship starts with crumbling there. So while we're absorbing all that, which I think is pretty amazing, let me start my first stop on the tour where I met Professor Orla Franklin, who is a human dynamo, as you'll hear. She was waiting to welcome me in. And as you'll hear from her, she's extremely proud of her team and their work there.
2: So we're here in the Children's Heart Centre. It is the point where all cardiac care is delivered to children with heart disease in Ireland at some point in their journey. All the cardiac surgery is done here. All the cardiac catheterisation is done here. We are delighted because it's 10 years old. We built this ward as a collective 10 years ago using 100% charitable donations. Absolutely amazing. We are indebted to the bake sales, the tractor runs. Communities around Ireland who recognised that a child from their community had been treated in Crumlin at a time when they needed to be treated in Crumlin. We wanted to create a ward that parents would walk into and go, I have arrived this place can deliver the care that my child needs and I have confidence. We wanted to build it to a model. We had all come back, the best centres all over the world, and we wanted to replicate that here in Dublin. And we knew we could do it. We built 27 Inpatient beds and six day ward beds. You used the phrase cardiac disease. What does that look like in these tiny infants? Explain that to us if you can. Well, You're laughing, laughing at me. Now. I'm laughing Impossible question. <laughs> it is tricky. I mean this was the first thing you've walked around and you've seen our babies. Your heart is the size of your fist. So for the babies that you've seen in the beds down there, their heart is the size of their fist. The heart is complex, it's the organ system in the body that's most likely to go wrong. That range from things that we can readily fix with cardiac surgery and intervention, to things where we cannot fix the cardiac problem, but we can make it a lot better. And so for some patients, for about 80% of our patients, we can fix it.
8: Things you'd hear like a hole in the heart, these phrases we hear.
2: In this institution, if you have a hole in the heart, you're going to have a really good surgery or catheter intervention, you're going to walk away from that heart disease, you're going to live 100 years. I was fascinated when you said the hole doesn't get no it doesn't yeah yeah, the damage is done by the fact that the hole is present at the beginning
8: you patch it you know
2: when you buy a waterproof coat yeah Yeah. (laughs) from Gore-Tex also make patches cut the patches tack it on and then over a period of months the patch gets covered by endothelium just like what's on the inside of your mouth the patch is embedded now within the heart and And off you go off you go and you live your life for the majority of our patients that's their story
9: Oh she's full of hope and positivity <laughs> I, know. I like that Now we mentioned earlier the center that we're talking about it was built with hard earned fundraising money from parents and the wider community. This was over many years a long-term effort. Will you just remind us of the scale of what they
8: did? I know it's incredible. I mean all those bake sales etc. It cost 4.5 million euro and that money was raised entirely by private donations and fundraising contributions through a mad (laughs) range of activities and events. What a legacy you know for the dedication there. And the thing that strikes when you walk through the centre it's up there on the third floor. The first thing that strikes when you arrive in is how bright it is how airy it is and how the individual patients rooms are appropriately large and comfortable because we hear about overcrowding in the rooms and such. On this floor the rooms are really comfortable so family can stay. That is mm-hmm. the big key thing here and the idea was that that's part of the success of it. So there's plenty of space in each individual room for parents. There's a playroom and a hospital school and there's beautifully designed actually outdoor spaces on the third floor too. So you know and you need this because as the team tell you nobody of course wants to be there. Of course, right? But it's the experience when you yeah. are there and you have to be there that exactly. will make the difference. And it's daunting but they wanted to be that exactly. Make it as comfortable as possible. So, of course, I had to meet a patient because you know me, I went straight in. So, I went in and I met Maya, who's two years of age, and she's been in uh, Cromwell there for the last three weeks with her parents, Sinead and Shane. And here they told me more about their experience at the centre there, starting with us chatting with Maya, her first interview on radio, uh, about the fancy dress parade that they had organised earlier in the ward.
9: Maya, do you like the
10: nurses here? They're lovely, aren't they? The doctors fix your heart. Mm-hmm. Were you in the parade? Mm-hmm. And who did you dress up as?
3: Elsa.
10: And what did the nurses dress up as?
8: No one. What do you wear as Elsa? Do you wear a black
11: dress, is it? No. B- a blue dress.
10: What picture did you do? Blue
11: heart. A blue heart. So, Maya, my daughter, has complex congenital heart disease. So, she's had two open heart surgeries. So, her first surgery was when she was three months old. She had her second one there three weeks ago. So, she has a replacement valve. No. You're saying it very calmly and that's yeah, great and good yeah. on you, but I mean that's really scary. So I had a normal pregnancy and I gave birth to what I thought a healthy baby girl, but when she was three months old her breathing was a little bit off. So I went to the GP and we ended up coming here and it turned out she was in cardiac shock and then she ended up in ICU that night and then we met Dr. Franklin who informed us that she has congenital heart disease and that her mitral valve didn't form correctly in the womb so she'll have a lifelong condition. So where was your head at
8: during all this? Because that sounds absolutely frightening.
11: Yeah, I was just in shock. Like, I couldn't believe it. Initially, we thought it was bronchitis she had, the breathing, maybe a little flu. So it's absolutely terrifying. No parent should be in that position. But it's just one of those things, and you have to just hold it together for your child and be there for them and learn to accept even though you'd never want to accept it, you have to just learn that this is my and this is what her life's going to be like and she's going to need your support like but the worry and anxiety like, handing your child over to that surgeon even though you trust them 100 percent is still the most scariest thing and i see you and knowing that you're going to be back here again that it's not the end you know it's hard to accept but you just learn to kind of get on with that when I mean, you see your other families in the ward and their child is the same as your child or more complex and they get through and their child turns out to be healthy and happy and stuff like that it's great to see them gone from like if you've seen maya three weeks ago how sick she was compared to the child she's raised right now you wouldn't believe it and that's thanks to chc and dr mcginnis and dr franklin and her team
0: that's the mother of two-year-old Maya talking to Evelyn O'Rourke this morning on her report for today with Claire Byrne about Crumlin Children's Hospital's Heart Center. Mm-hmm. on this afternoon's liveline Anne spoke to Joe Duffy about her daughter Rachel, who's 22 next week.
12: The care of the lands for Rachel was cut off in uh, May of this year. Um, there was a review done, and um, I heard back then that I was no longer entitled to the carer's allowance. And um, I went and sent it for appeal, and um, that came back um, just last week. And mm-hmm. they have said the care allowance is going to be six euro.
10: Oh my gosh! It wasn't even that wouldn't even pay for the letter and the stamp.
12: I know. Uh, yeah, it's true. And, and, yeah. and
10: why does Rachel need need full time caring?
12: Um, Rachel was born um, in Port Leach in 2001 mm-hmm. and um, she never hit any of her milestones when oh, I brought okay. her home and I knew something was wrong and at the time there was an early intervention team and um, we took her there and they sent her to Crumlin and in Crumlin they diagnosed her having a very rare syndrome called Floating Harbour Syndrome.
10: And what, is, what care does that mean?
12: That, that means that Rachel is need, needs to be washed Change, fed, everything done for her. She can't do anything for herself.
10: So it's twenty four seven.
12: Absolutely, twenty four seven, every day, three six five. Yeah, that's it. Yeah, absolutely. And I mean, I just think it's so unfair that I'm penalised because my husband is at work and. And I'm the one staying at home and like providing like a service, mm-hmm. and I suppose I never looked at it in that, that in that, that. regard, like because she was my own, but it it is very true, like you are providing a service, and um if she was to be looked after anywhere else, which of course we don't want her to be at all yeah, um you, like yeah. it will cost yeah. it will cost a lot of money.
10: Um, so, so, um, so uh, uh, did, uh, they're saying your carers allowance would be six euro per week. Maybe
12: six euros per week, be 6 euros per week 6 euros per week, because it's the means test of payment, and that is that is what, with what Aidan, my husband, earns. That is what we mm-hmm. are going. I am going to get as the carers allowance. So, so like, uh, I mean, it's just so it's just so unfair because, I mean, like. You're penalised. I can't go out to work to earn my own living. Like, yeah. And I am penalised because I have to stay at home with Rachel and take care of her.
10: And you're looking, I'm sure, I know Rachel is very beautiful, but you're looking, at sure, uh, I'm sure, at other 22-year-olds going about their Absolutely. They're, in the they're
12: out there. They're in, I have a niece. She's gone to college. She's out, you know, doing her thing, mm-hmm. seeing the world like and Rachel will never be able to do that like she's going to be a home with us for the rest of her life and needing that complex care every day Mm -hmm. for the rest of her life and that is the reality
10: of it. And the state has decided that that complex care you you will be giving every day 24 7 365 repeating is worth 85 cents a day
12: that's it six euros a week yeah six euros a week and i was like it was just like it was a sick joke when that came true to me in the letterbox and i mean i, I never i never kind of i suppose ever looked for anything outside of that like you god mm-hmm. it wasn't a lot but it was it was some recognition for 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 looking after her but to get six euro a week that was that was the insult it wasn't then even about the money anymore yeah, it was yeah, about yeah, yeah. it was about the insult of that and of course for everybody else that is doing the same thing as I'm doing and that same thing is happening to them
10: even even if they said and I know it's means tested yeah but I'm sure but like, but I'm sure your husband is out looking after your yacht and your holiday home in Portugal <laughs> Florida no
12: He's yes. definitely not like he works. He works. He's in Dublin most of the time. His job takes him to Dublin, yeah. and he's working. He leaves the house. We live in feet. He leaves the house at half five. He yeah. wasn't home several evenings this week t- till eight o'clock because sure traffic come now Dublin to be around us.
10: Oh, horrific, but he is a yeah. hard worker. That's my point. For for the he's state a hard to turn worker. around yeah, and say absolutely, t- yeah. for the state to turn around and say your family. Is uh, yeah. is only worthy of six euro per week yeah. uh, to help yeah. you, which all the extra expenses apart from yeah. apart yeah. from the the work and the, and which I know you wouldn't you you, you wouldn't do anything else, but all no, the extra absolutely. all the extra expenses, the yeah. the state is saying and and the work your your husband does and the hard yeah. work half five every morning eight o'clock at yeah. night back from Dublin, um yeah. that's that's you were so wealthy.
12: Yeah, we're so, we are so, so well dripping in it. Yeah, we're just dripping out. We have it under the masters, we have it everywhere. Yeah. Um, And the thing is, uh, well, it's just the dead nuts on the income that's brought into the house. Like you can have savings, but it just is, it just is the means that you bring into the house. And it's not even gross pay. It's, it's not even net pay, it's done in gross pay, so it's not even money that you ever actually have.
10: Yeah, this, this is before tax. Shocking. This is Shocking. Gro- on
12: gross pay. Shocking. And, um, like, we had to buy wheelchair cars. You know, you have expenses yeah. that another 22-year-old or another child that you'd have, would, w- you would not have those expenses. And that and is the reality of it. And that, when the, when the
10: state told you last week that you were so wealthy... Uh-huh. That you're only worthy uh, to look after darling Rachel, 20, uh-huh. who's 22 years of age, of six euro per week. Yeah. Did, they, yeah. did they state on the letter, please ensure that this letter gets to Mrs Anne Murray. Do not leave it with the butler or any of her staff. No, no, there was, or there do was
12: not, none of that do not, did not...
10: Do, do not leave it at the security <laughs> hut uh, down at the gate on their massive estate
12: broken post box that's yeah. hanging off the wall and I suppose if I knew what was in it I probably would have just left it in the post box yeah. because it really is, it was just it was just for throwing into the fire then because that is, an it
10: insult. was just
12: an insult, yeah I suppose that
10: now is do you, Now do, do, do you, does one, does Rachel get a little break at all or do you get a little break at all or your husband?
12: We got we got four nights of respite last year for her first time, she went to respite last year for her first time and um, that is a complete fight as well because the service never comes to you, you go to the service and you could ask for a night but you could be told that night isn't available or whatever and then there's not no alternative offer to you so you're just left that you keep asking and repeatedly ask and it's then it becomes, I suppose it becomes another job that you're just sometimes just don't bother following up, you know? Yeah,
10: or you have to, as we discovered year after year in this programme, you have to, in your position, carers, yeah. among others, parents like yourself, have to fight for everything.
12: Everything. and Everything. Like I, I would be very good at fighting for stuff yeah. and looking for stuff, but it becomes that it's just the fight sometimes. It's not worth the headspace that you're putting into it. It takes your time from caring for Rachel. It takes your time mm-hmm. from just your own just general mm-hmm. life. Like, And I mean, that can wear you down and does wear people down. And then they end up like with all sorts of other problems yeah. to deal with for themselves as well.
0: That's Anne talking to Joe Duffy on this afternoon's Liveline about the carer's allowance for her daughter Rachel being reduced to €6 per week. (music) Chef Brian McDermott wants to get people making the simple desserts, the winter warming classics as Claire called them this
7: morning. You know when you think those classics you do think of the crumbles, you do think of the apple pies, the sticky toffee if you were lucky enough to get that. But you know most things that you bake with is four ingredients you know it's flour it's sugar it's eggs it's butter then you apply things like what we remember as the creaming method or the whisking those change whether it's going to be a biscuit a pastry a crumble so those real kind of craft skills don't forget them because we all remember that ceramic bowl lifting it rubbing it in using your thumb we were taught that you know in home economics and it gets forgotten. I think there's these all-in-ones and hacks going on. I, I hate these hacks when it comes to food. You know, there shouldn't be hacks. You know, <laughs> to me, there's a process. It's always been there. You lift it with your fingers. You rub in the softened butter. When you say that, you know. And
9: the breadcrumb consistency. And the breadcrumb
7: sandy-like consistency. We never it, forget rather that. Rather than from these all-in-one, one chuck it in and you get a pastry. No, you don't. You get an old suit, tough as your boot style of a pastry. You don't get that flaky. No butteriness. hacks here. No.
9: Listen, talk to me about the creaming method then because you've, you've done the crumbling there and the, the creaming method then is one of the classics as well.
7: Yeah. So when you look at the four ingredients in the table that we just mentioned and, you, and I said to you now, Claire, you've got to do the creaming method. Well, you should automatically say to yourself, that's butter and sugar. Mm-hmm. OK, that's the skill in that. And creaming it is literally the beater. You know, again, the handheld one, I love it. I think the noise, I think everything around that is amazing. So what you're doing is you're breaking down the butter, softening it first, and you're adding the sugar into it so that they come together lighter in color. That's the creaming method. Usually, after that, then you're just adding in eggs and flour. Basically, what you have in those four ingredients. And you'll remember the old 444, you know, you, you heard people saying that equal quantities. When you bring those four ingredients together, essentially, you have a Madeira mix that could be your queen cakes flavour that up with lemon marble some toffee sauce through you're into those Madeira cakes that you know
9: You you better explain the four four and four I know there's people, there are people listening who don't know what you're talking about there now and I would normally think three 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 but go ahead Yeah
7: so it's four four ounces uh, relating to each ingredient so nowadays you know we're going to work in grams and things like that but I do remember that being you know baited around the, the, the home economics room and also in catering college in general so then it moved you know and we went with different weights and measurements and everybody tries to change everything recipe because they want it to be theirs. Make no mistake about it. When it comes to this, this is science week. This is science. And when you look at that, you say to yourself, why would I want to change that? Mm-hmm. I might give you a guide and say, well, include some lemons, Claire, and you have something different there. But, you know, with we the have to pass recipe. on these so solid are, are recipes. You st-
9: are you still going with the ounces then when you're making your I kinda basic? I kind of
7: do for this one. I kind of go in my head. Yeah. Uh, and then now four I go to of the, butter, the scales. Yeah, the Four, four ounces, ounces of flour. Sugar, flour yeah. and four eggs. Okay. And that is that locked in. You won't mm-hmm. fail with that one. Uh, and when you lock that in, then, yeah, honestly, <laughs> not even you, Claire, on this one. You won't. Um, <laughs> I made
9: a lemon drizzle cake for a bake sale at the weekend. I was very, very proud yeah. of it. Was it auctioned or given away? <laughs> <laughs> I think they tried to sell it. Yeah, Just okay. sell it at a, a very low price. Um, yeah, I thought it was all going to go wrong because it didn't have the right tin. Yeah. You know the way the recipe always tells you what tin? I will never have the right tin. Yeah. I just shoved it into something. It's grand. I know, isn't
7: yeah, it, it mad though? Christmas we run out and we buy so many ingredients, but we look at a tin and we go, oh, that's quite expensive. I'm not buying that. I know, but without but the you tin? You should invest in the tins. You, you have what you have. Right. Yeah.
9: Um, listen, warm, sticky toffee pudding. This is a, a real favourite. But I, when I see that now, I think that's probably a bit complicated for me.
7: Yeah, it is does it? look technical. And you said to yourself, oh, what is this bicarbonate of soda? So basically uh, what I'm going to, set the scene for here is, do you know steepy peas where you got the the little tablet and went into the marrow fat peas? Do you ever remember that? being done? So something's happening there in Mm -hmm. science. So when you look at this sticky toffee recipe you see the bicarbonate of soda and you see dates and boiling water and you put the three together the same thing's happening in science what's happening is it's breaking down those dates, they're releasing a natural sugar which is beautiful, arguably nearly molasses, gorgeous flavour so that's just three ingredients in a bowl. The boiling water is in. You leave it for a half an hour. After you come back to it, you blitz it with a stick blender. Uh, and that just brings it together as a pulse. So you've got this real sticky date base that is the key essential part of a sticky is toffee pudding. Is hard
9: button. to work with that? I find that almost too sticky to work with sometimes. You know, figs or dates... Tricky no, stuff. not when you
7: put in the boiling water and you go this right. way with, with a little bit of bicarbonate of soda because it's breaking it, it's opening it, it's actually speeding it up and it's telling you I'm ready now, come in mm-hmm. here and blitz me mm-hmm. up and take me to that smooth paste. After that, for the sticky toffee recipe, then you're just adding in, you know, your flour and spice and in this case we're putting in ground ginger and that mixed spice that you're going to have to get out for Christmas now anyway. So get that out into the flour and same rule with bacon in general is you keep dried ingredients separate to wet and you usually end up putting the dried into the wet and that's what we're doing in this case and then the eggs and that'll just come together like a real thick batter and then into a butter dish so a couple of ways to do this either do them individually and then you can freeze them afterwards or do them in in a slab like like a sandwich tin And slice them down. So if you don't want it sticky and warm, let it go cool. Slice it down. It's your coffee break. It's your treat. It's your snack Mm. for the next couple of days. You lining
9: the tin now? We just buttering. Just
7: butter, yeah. So you know, you know that the pack. You just take it off, and and again, I have distinctive memories of this. Just my mum going take that pack a little bit of butter and squeezing it right into the corners nowadays there's all sorts of sprays and everything that you'll pay don't a fortune for no yeah. a little bit of melted fat that's all you yeah. need that's why there's
9: always bits ripped off my uh, paper wrap my butter yeah. wrapper at home but is there
7: anything nicer than going to the, the corner of the tin and getting the bit that you think's a little bit burnt and you're, and you're scraping it oh, yeah, out problem. yeah and then you've destroyed it. your tin because you've scraped and, and removed that non-stick, non-stick from <laughs> it
9: and it's the right size tin as
7: well don't forget yeah. that and don't, don't forget as well about a tin tin's there for a reason with sides in it you know we spend too much time trying to spread it all out, it finds its way out and it won't go any further. And the only last tip with bacon in general is if there's a little speck on the edge of the tin or you've cleaned the spatula on the edge of the tin, wipe that down because those little specks burn in minutes. They create an aroma of burning in the oven and then you'll you'll keep thinking, Oh, it's burning, it's burning. You'll open, you'll Scrape close, you'll open, you'll close the oven and each time 30% of the heat is escaping.
9: I know you say it'll find it's level but it has to be level as well. Like you can't have a high side and a low side. That doesn't work either.
7: But if the consistency and the recipe is yeah. followed, ah, okay. you're going to have if
9: Otherwise it's going yes. to be right,
7: okay? This is science, Claire. <laughs> this is not whack it in. Chef
0: Brian McDermott with recipes for delicious things, winter warming classics, in fact. On this morning's today with Claire Byrne. And all Brian's recipes are on the show's website on rte.ie forward slash radio. The slow camera exchange. What is it and why was it set up? These are some of the questions Brendan Courtney put to his guest, artist and educator Jessica Marb on this morning's 9 o'clock show.
1: So the Slow Camera Exchange is a partnership with the Cork City Library and also with Cork Film Centre. And it's a project that um, is allowing access to analogue photography. Um, So we have kind of a few strands and ways that people can engage. There's a strand for individual artists to borrow cameras. We've made some of the cameras into kits that facilitators and so, artists...
6: So hold there for a second, right? Because I, okay. I, so I, I kind of get it now, but the slow camera exchange and just just a bit between that and explaining analogue cameras to, to the listener. So just explain that bit for me.
1: Okay, so an analogue camera is a camera um, where the light exposes the image onto film the cameras rather we grew than a digital format. The, the
6: cameras we grew up with, that's fair enough to say.
1: Exactly, yes. yeah.
6: yeah, yeah. <laughs> Would you say old-fashioned cameras?
1: Um no. yeah, that could be a way of saying yeah, it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um but there's kind of a new trend that they Definitely. don't seem so uh, old fashioned anymore. Hundred <laughs> percent.
6: There absolutely is, yeah. So yeah. uh you have donated a lot of camera, slow cameras and is it okay to call them slow cameras?
1: Well, we've called the whole project the slow camera exchange because I just like the concept of slow. <laughs>
6: okay, yeah.
1: Um we're nice. in a very fast moving time. I agree. And I think analog photography gives us a chance to, it's a lot more considered process than digital, although I, I love digital photography. And as you know well. what? You just struck
6: a chord at me. You know when you see somebody at a, at a monument or on a, in Santorini and they're taking hundreds of pictures with their iPhone? What I, yeah. I, I, I turned into this kind of crazy man who goes, You know those ca- pictures have to be stored somewhere and that they are bad yeah. for the environment because they do get stored, don't they? So actually, yeah. slowing down is actually good for the environment as well.
1: Yeah, and people tend, when they're using analogue photography, when the process is more considered, um, usually people free in one really good shot and take one really good considered shot rather than 100 images.
6: Okay, um, so tell us about how the slow camera change came about.
1: So my husband who passed away um, five years ago now, oh, sorry. he was an avid photographer he was crazy about cameras. <laughs> he loved the look of cameras. He loved the feel of cameras, and he loved making images. Um, and he was a bit of an obsessive collector <laughs> oh, of really? cameras. So every all the travels we were on, he'd be in flea markets and little old vintage shops and second-hand places, looking in corners for unusual cameras. Um, so it was something he was really so excited can about. I ask, was it his
6: hobby or his job? Um, It was his hobby. Oh, very good. Okay, so he was really into it, really passionate.
1: Yeah, yeah. So a little bathroom in our downstairs was converted into a dark room. And he would build his own cameras. He'd find like... Lenses, maybe belong to a piece of printing equipment or a surveillance helicopter. And (laughs) we'd combine lenses with different camera bodies or build boxes to combine lenses with. So he was always building and inventing. um, And he had bits of equipment from all over the world. We both like to travel. So so we
6: we call this the Herman Marb camera collection, is that correct?
1: Yeah. How many cameras are we talking? So in the um, collection, the library, there's about 60 cameras. Wow. And some of them are for loan as individual cameras. And some are on loan as kits that people can, artists can bring to groups and engage groups and processes, learning to use the cameras. So each kit has a different type of camera. Some are medium format. Some are standard like 35 millimeter cameras. Some are little fun plastic pop cameras, you know, where you get four images or nine images on one image, or fisheye lenses. So there's a real range of, um, some cameras are very expensive
3: Mm
1: -hmm, (laughs) mm -hmm. um, and very um, technical and specific pieces of equipment. And others are really fun, cheap pop cameras. Right. So there's a whole variety and Herman loved both. He loved the unexpectedness of like a blur or a glow that might come from like a plastic lens. And he also loved the precision of images from really high-quality lenses as
6: well. So So he wasn't... I guess I'm hearing in your voice, you're quite into it as well.
1: Well, I kind of watched him for years and was with him as he took lots of images. (laughs) So I kind of feel I was part of... Yeah. And and we kind of considered ourselves always as creative collaborators. We both worked in the arts. Um. And we, all, we always talked about our creative processes and influenced our, each other's creative processes quite a lot. So um, he was definitely much more skilled and had like the type of brain to go into the technicality of it. Um, but so yeah, I, I kind of feel like I journeyed through lots of processes with him. I can hear taking that. Taking images I t- you with t- him.
6: Yeah, be- <laughs> yeah I can, you helped him build a collection basically.
1: Well, I journeyed with him, as he did. And I was actually the person who introduced him to the darkroom back maybe 25 years ago when I was in art college. Really? (laughs) He visited the darkroom with me one day um, when I was just learning darkroom processes. And, (laughs) yeah, just immediately he caught the bug and started taking images and... Yeah, he went much further with it than I did. (laughs) I found other ways of creative to express myself creatively.
6: Um, So before you tell me about the actual stage that people can do, can you tell me a bit more about Herman, actually? What was he like?
1: Um, (laughs) Well, it's hard in a a short time to um, describe a whole person (laughs) and a whole life. Um, But Herman was, um, he was a very curious person. Mm -hmm. He had... um, Lots of different areas of interest, he was an avid reader, he was interested in art history, he was interested in philosophy, he was interested in science. He um, first trained as an electrician, then as a nurse, then as an alternative health pra- practitioner, and then worked in the, worked in the arts, um, supporting people with, um, considered to have intellectual disabilities with their creative processes. He had a strong curiosity and um, he had a very specific way of thinking about engagement with creativity. He never considered the people he worked with to have disabilities. He considered them as creative collaborators. He had very specific ways of seeing the world and he was really curious and excited to see their creations. I'd say one of the words that would sum up a big part of who Herman was was curiosity <laughs> um, he and he amazing. had a way of, of pulling together like different people and different ideas and different concepts to create something really interesting.
6: He sounds amazing. Um,
1: so he brought his photography to a lot of what he did and a lot of the work he did, the group of artists he worked with went by the name of Gasp Artists Um. And yeah, he used to, they had been in like a a day centre, for, like a service for people with intellectual disabilities. But his vision was to be in the city centre where the artists would be part of the cultural life of Cork City, which they did become. Um, so yeah, they did a lot of visual arts projects and often his photography came into it as a way of engaging with people and a way of creating conversations so, for example, I actually collaborated with him and his a project with a lovely little um, coffee shop called Alchemy on Barrack Street where he brought in one of his big old-fashioned huge bellow cameras, large format, you know, that takes big 8x10 yes. images. And they had, like, a photo morning that the regular users of the cafe could have portraits made either as individuals or with a friend or partner or dog. Um, and then they did a whole project where the artists responded visually to the photographic images. So the cameras were used as a way of making connections and initiating conversations and maybe like kick-starting other creative engagements and other creative processes. So
6: I'm hearing in your voice that he would really approve of the slow camera exchange that you've done now with Cork Library.
1: I'm pretty sure he would. <laughs>
0: That's Jessica Marb talking about her late husband Herman and the slow camera exchange with Brendan Courtney on this morning's Nine O'Clock Show. Comedian and actor Pat Short is currently on a seemingly never-ending tour with his daughter Faye, performing their new show Knuckle Down. The duo dropped in on their way to Gory to see Ray Darcy this afternoon. So yeah. this is your second tour. As
13: it is, yeah. Right. I I actually didn't even think I'd be, we'd be doing it. Like do you know, I, I I'm still in shock that we're working together.
5: She's, she's, young. <laughs> she's young. She's young. She doesn't think too much beyond the weekend.
13: It's great though. I'm loving it. Honestly, I'm loving it. Um, yeah, it's great. It's great. Craft.
4: How many? Uh, how many years do you? Yeah. On the <laughs> I can't remember. That's the difference. She I'll doesn't think beyond it. I can't now. remember.
5: Between the two of us, we're daft.
4: Because <laughs> I think you were on the road before I even started in RT, um, and and I'm in here 35 years. i I'm, I'm in. Like, yeah. no, not in RT but I started in
5: RT I've been toured DJing years. around the country
0: oh, we what? were CST, touring. Yeah, I remember yeah, we used yeah, to yeah. pass you in, yeah, yeah. in uh,
5: <laughs> Newbridge and places yeah, like that yeah, that yeah yeah yeah, yeah.
4: so is it that long is it it is, is. What it age is you yeah.
5: <laughs> well I don't know I started working with John in 86 oh there you go yeah. what yes. you yeah. I was 18 Yeah. so, really so that's, that's 37
4: years ago good Jesus yeah
5: oh so my god that's hard <laughs> no we, I, I was kind of more sounding lights and working on playing a bit of music with John having the crack and everything else uh, I, we didn't kind of form the Unbelievables until maybe four years later you right. know what I mean oh. we started like, Yeah, yeah. I said, we better uh, and was it organic as they say yeah,
4: yeah,
5: yeah. Isn't that, that's, a, that's, a, that's a word we only discovered in the, tw- the north <laughs> <laughs> you'll find my earlier interviews I never used that word at all it was out just trund together <laughs> came about out of something um, but yes it, it was it was organic I suppose yeah. we, we were we were um, um, we were messing, you know, like I was only 18, 19, John was only a few years older than me and he had quite a career before that, you know, on, on Davis at Large and he had a song out of Hill, a lot of people remember the regular version which went huge all over the country. He'd done a huge amount before I met him and he'd been in bands and all that stuff, but I'm talking about the comedy really. Um and then I joined him kind of just messing and having the crack and the sound engineer working with him left and I was kind of there and said look you might as well take over so I was I was mixing sound doing lights doing so, saxophone having the crack nice. we were sleeping in the back of the van <laughs> <laughs> I remember waking up in Donegal side of the road frozen wrapped up in the drapes in the back of the van that kind of stuff but through a moment though
4: I know these things evolve and they're organic but there must have been there was a first night that you were up on
5: stage with him well, there wasn't no 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 I no no no, you see, I used to get up on stage and play saxophone with him. Right. So I was up and down onto uh-huh. the stage for a tune, kind of backing him in a sense. It was a particular sketch we used to do called Summertime. And I used to get up and play. We used to. Now, now not was straightforward with <laughs> John. I like. Yeah. So you wouldn't, wouldn't just get up with the saxophone, you'd strip off to your underpants. <laughs> around as if we're on the beach. Okay. And I then played the a saxophone one and John. Saved. In your underwear. Yeah. Right. And uh and uh I, I remember one night in <laughs> he Galway. Do that no, no, no. <laughs> no. I remember one night in Galway I had these very loose pair of boxers oh, on me, which were all to go. And all my neighbours from Kicking Street Tours were in the front row, in the him in my front row, the front table at the yeah. bar. So yeah. bar gig. And I remember we started today, oh we're looking away. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't realise everything was hanging out to one side. <laughs> So, sorry, are we going to be cancelled here? We? No. <laughs> oh, no, we're gone. Different, no. different times. Time. Yeah, Different times. I was in the And it wasn't time. intentional. No no, 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 no. We weren't that
4: type of show. No, no. no.
13: And we still earned.
4: <laughs> so knuckle down, how would you describe it to knuckle somebody? I'll shut up for a yes. while.
3: <laughs>
13: <laughs> no, keep going. Um, I, I kind of uh, knuckle down. Well, we, we went to the, didn't we pick a theme first of all? Didn't we pick we, a theme? Yes, um, yes. We said teaching. School, school school education
5: yeah, 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 yeah And right. then,
13: the, like the, should I say it or not? But there's a character that dad's done <laughs> I've said it now. I'm like, yeah, yeah, yeah. The teacher's back. Oh, the teacher's yeah, back. The teacher's well, back. The
5: teacher's well, he's he had the character. He was the guy that said "knuckle down." down. Right, but he's kind of. Come, we we were talking about it, and we thought, he, like, you could bring him back in a more contemporary sense because everyone's TikToking now and influencing and yeah. all those kinds of. Stuff. So he addresses some of those things in his, which he didn't in the, the earlier stuff. But yeah, yeah there's
13: different. You like teaching is obviously different too. Yes, you know yes, So yes. it's all modernized and. Uh, it's great and we do a bit of stand up separately uh, And it's your separately. experiences
5: of, of coming out of school and stuff Yeah and that yeah great yeah
13: yeah, yeah no it's great Um but it's my first time doing stand up in this oh, show. I've never right. done stand up before, so that was great. That was a wild experience.
5: So, what's the, you see, because you work to a script, don't you? And
4: stand up well, doesn't stand-up, necessarily.
13: Well, no, stand up could be a script as well, but it's yeah. a
5: very different thing. I, I didn't do stand up in only recently. Right. Yeah, because you, I did characters like, I'd come out and I'd do like Teach Character, or yes. something like that, or Aerosene, the, whatever. The, the local politician. And, and, you're, yeah. in and you're in costume and you've got your script. Where stand up is more like yourself. Talking to the audience and Mm. engaging the audience one on one. And it's it's funny. I I I found scary. No, (laughs) that's boom boom. Boom boom, Mr. Darcy. (laughs) Oh, that was slow comedy. That's why we did the comedy. (laughs) <laughs> no but it, it, no it is quite daunting I have to it say it is it's mm. different
13: but like I, I actually didn't realise how different it was I, I think I assumed it to be a, a lot more similar like if you you know pretend in your head you're a character but it's a completely different ball game oh, oh, you're, you're completely yeah. exposed yeah, you are. once you
5: get into it and get your rhythm and, and how to, to handle it, it it's, it's great fun, and squally, really fun I remember reading a
4: statistic years ago which is good news for both the yeah. that that uh, comedy is 70% affection Oh. So if people like you, okay, and have affection towards you, yeah. that that that's a, you've seventy percent achieved d- there. There's d- d- warmth. Yes. Like yes. so they're open to you being funny. Being funny they want, yeah. They are, you know, yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 So, so that's and there's obviously okay, affection for you well, too all over the well, country. Well, so. Shut up before
0: no. I ruin that. <laughs> <laughs> Judging by the number of dates they're playing, the whole country has affection for them. That's Pat and Faye Short talking to Ray Darcy this afternoon about their new touring show, Knuckle Down, which is on the road between now and the end of May. Who would have thought there were that many venues in Ireland, eh? Finally, for this edition of Playback Daily, strange goings-on in the West... This weekend, Ennis County Clare will host the first annual Midwest Magic Convention. Organiser Leon Anderson spoke with Brendan Courtney about the convention and his own interest in magic on this morning's 9 o'clock show. What was yeah. your
6: very first magic trick? It was making a, a red, small
3: red silk handkerchief disappear into mid
6: Amazing. How old were you? I was seven. Cute. Cute. Okay. So then. I remember it, yeah. (laughs) You should bring it back. Bring it back, Leah. Tell me
3: this. It's still available. You can still tell it. It's probably still in magic sets nowadays. You can still buy it and it
6: still fools people. So it's still there. Brilliant. Tell me this. uh, So then, how did you sort of reconnect with it then when you were a little older?
3: Yeah, so it was, uh, I was at home, uh, again, all around Christmas time, um, when David Blaine's TV special aired uh, on Irish TV, I think it was Channel 4, maybe, in 1999. So I was just uh, getting into my 20s. And just to say, David um, Blaine
6: probably was the first in the UK and Ireland that we saw was first up-close street magician. He was kind of cool and and streety, wasn't he? He was, but believe it or not, just a couple of months
3: before that on Channel Four, I have to I have to announce this because this is a big debate. Paul Zenin from the from the UK actually had a TV special on magic, walk around magic, just before David Blaine. Oh, well, but I suppose David Blaine came from Fox TV. So he had a lot of big, big budget behind him. It came from America. Everybody was like, yeah. you don't have to tell and, me about uh, the cut
6: and thrust of broadcasting anyway. So go on. Then.
3: <laughs> so then. But go anyway, on. so that's how it started. And I remember uh, on David Blaine's first TV special, he was doing a couple of tricks that I was kind of familiar with. And I was like, gee, I know what he's doing there. Brilliant. And I kind of pulled out a deck of cards and I started messing around. And I, I grew up in Myras uh, in Limerick. So I uh, opened my front door and there was a few guys outside and I said, come on over and I'll show you a trick. And they were all blown away. Oh man, David Blaine did that other night on television. You should do that. And that's basically how it all started for me. Um,
6: and then you bought your first magic trick it. set in the, the in Ireland's only brick and mortar shop. The magic shop. Yes. Which is in Limerick.
3: The magic shop. Yes, it was. And I wondered if people were, is it still there? No, it's not. Ah. Unfortunately, Paddy Clancy is retired, but a lot of famous magicians would have come through. Even I remember meeting Keith Barry wow, really? uh, in the magic shop one day. Yeah, and a lot of other magicians.
6: Even Japan. Keith Barry shopped for tricks.
3: <laughs> yes, well, you, you have to start somewhere. I'm not You're... sure if he shops in brick and mortar shops anymore. I doubt now, but it. Yeah. He definitely he definitely has a team behind him that does all that. He's
6: brilliant. He's brilliant. Yeah, of course. So yeah, then you went. So you, you you became a magician. Yeah. Wow. Literally became a magician. <laughs> um, yeah. Started just knocking at
3: doors. Um, my first uh, gig, I suppose, was in the uh, the Royal George Hotel on on the corner Street, and uh, they basically let me off in the nightclub. And I went around
6: and I just did some magic in the for free. I get free in. And just just to, like, not to gloss over, you are uh, an award-winning. You're Ireland's Best Magician in 2006 in 2009. Ireland's Best Showman in 2006-2009. And the International IBM Magician of the Year as chosen by the International Brotherhood of Magicians. You see, now, this is the side (laughs) of magicianhood I like, that there's a secret, you have a secret kind of language and you don't ever reveal... The truth or the, the truth. I didn't how dare I say the truth. That you don't ever see the secrets behind the magic. The secret. Yeah. yeah.
3: Now you know, the truth, there's a sorry. saying in, in magic, you never reveal never reveal the secret. But that's there should be a comma after that instead of a full stop. So it's never reveal the secret, comma, unless <laughs> you genuinely want to know how the secret how it works. Yeah. Because if we never reveal a secret, then we will never have the young magicians up and coming because we would never be able to reveal it. So unless the kids want to learn magic, and I'm sure there's lots of them, the biggest YouTube channels in the world and TikTok channels in the world are all based on magic. Yeah, magicians. I think
6: every family has a kid who's obsessed with magic and I, I think it's a wonderful thing. So the magic circle is a real thing. Magic Circle is a real thing.
3: It's the biggest. Uh, it's the most. I suppose synonymous with magic in the world. But you have the biggest thing in the world, which is the IBM, the uh, International Brotherhood of Magicians in America. Like all, all of the big names in magic would have would have been in the in the IBM, um, and still are, like Copperfield. So, so before
6: before it, we run uh, out of time, quick, 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 tell me yeah. about the the uh, magic convention that's happening in Ennis this weekend, Midwest Magic so Convention.
3: Midwest Magic Convention is happening uh, starting tomorrow from 10 o'clock. I have big name lecturers from America, like Sub Jay Sankey who creates magic for David Copperfield, David Blaine, Dynamo. So he's a big, big creator. Fantastic. So he's, he's on his way to, to Innis, And on Sunday is the big thing. is the big gala show at 3 o'clock on Sunday. Tickets are available on MidwestMagicConvention.com or available on the door if you have nothing to do and you're around the Innes, Galway, area Clare, area, and you want to bring your family out to a family show on Sunday, this is the place to be. We have, the and have, you, and you,
6: have you said the location, where is it on?
3: It's on Tracy's, it's in Tracy's West County Hotel. In oh, the West County, yeah. In his uh, fantastic hotel and the staff and are fantastic owner. they're Listen, all amazing.
6: Ha- so. Have a great time. I hope you discover some more secrets. I'll
0: Brendan Courtney talking to the host of the first annual Midwest Magic Convention, Leon Anderson. The convention takes place in Ennis County Clare this weekend. And that's all I have for you on this edition of Playback Daily. The programme was compiled, written and edited by me, Nilo O'Sheradon. Don't forget you can listen back to all the programmes featured on Playback Daily on the RTE radio app. Until the next time, thank you for listening and good luck.